welcome to the Light Vision Podcast, where I host various people to shine light on meaningful conversations over a variety of topics. A ton of fun. My name is Eric Fisher, and this episode 18 is no different. This episode will launch during the traditional Holy Week leading up to Easter Sunday, and our featured guest today is Tracy Rhodes, who fits the bill as a passionate pursuer and lover of Jesus, is knowledgeable of Scripture, and asks great questions. I encountered her through Twitter, actually, and fell in love quickly with her perspective and her her uh, ideas. She is the author of Not All Who Wander Spiritually Are Lost, a story of the church, and and I just love her persona, the things that she stands for, the things she's passionate about. She brings a powerful perspective and amount of information, knowledge regarding Scripture to the conversation. We talk about unity. We talk about um, Scripture interpretations and church history and tradition and different thought processes along those lines. This is a long conversation, but it is so good. And as you're launching yourself into different thoughts regarding the Holy Week, I, I find it valuable to, to listen to this in parts if you wanted to, if you didn't uh, want to listen to it in full or listen to it several times as we're trying to ask the question, what, what does it mean to be spiritually unified with the capital C Church? And I'm so thankful for Tracy joining the conversation and I'm so much looking forward to sharing this episode with you. So without further ado, episode 18, the Life Vision Podcast featuring Tracy Rhodes and the spiritual unity of the church through scriptural knowledge and scholarship. Enjoy. All right, it is so good uh, to have you on the show. I'm I'm legitimately excited. I say that all the time, so I'm I'm so blessed to have so great <laughs> great guests that they agree to be on the show. But thank you so much for being here. And the first thing that I typically do is is ask our guests to introduce yourself. So if you don't mind, introduce yourself for us. Yeah, Eric, thanks for having me. Um, first of all, uh, my name is Tracy Rhodes. Um, most places on social media, you can find me at Traces of Faith. Um, either Traces of Faith blog, Facebook and Instagram, or Traces of Faith on Twitter. Um, and been writing online since 2014. Okay. I've also been um, a Bible teacher since about 2010. And as I actually prepared for today's talk, I just kept coming back to the fact that God orchestrated all of that to kind of work together. Um, because as I was reading scripture more regularly, I began reading it chronologically. And I was also preparing every week for, um, I teach our children's Sunday school at church, but also a women's Bible study on Wednesday evenings. And for a while I actually taught Wednesday mornings as, as well. So this just total immersion, um, in the yeah, scripture yeah. And, I told myself today too, before we go any further, um, I believe in the inerrancy um, of scripture. I, yeah. I still hold high, I, I hold scripture. I am a Protestant through and through. I hold scripture in the highest um, regard. But what I have found as I have studied it and as I have studied its sources and I have studied how and what other church traditions, such as the Catholics, such as the Orthodox, um, the Lutherans, how they study scripture. Yeah. I, I've realized the complexity of it. Um, and I don't think we give that enough respect. And so that's why I actually asked um, my friends on Twitter to pray for this um, interview today because um Sometimes I get frustrated at what I call poor scholarship. Mm. Um, if, I'm be, if I've been entrusted to teach scripture, I don't care if it's to five-year-olds or if it's to an arena of 2,000 um, men and women. That is something we should take very seriously. And I feel like sometimes we simply regurgitate yeah. um, what we have heard uh, versus doing the hard work of studying, um, removing the assumptions. And so that's what I want to speak into today. Um, and also kind of points to my background because I've been doing this kind of work um, through my writing, through social media presence, through teaching at my local church for about 10 years now. 
Okay. Well, let's, let's dig in then. Thank you for that great introduction. And I, I love, so I'll kind of tell the, the, the uh, listeners here that I, I discovered you via Twitter, which is, I told you in our kind of pre-conversation meeting, it's a, it's a beautiful and weird among many other things place. Um, but I've kind of found a, a pocket of, of, of faith, faithful people that uh, like yourself ask questions in a lot of ways. So um, that are, I think, spiritual in nature and, and, that to me tells me that you're you're open to hearing the perspective. You're well studied, and you you have a good understanding of scripture, and and you still want to hear what people have to say, even in as strange a place as, as Twitter is. Um, your 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 ear is open, which I think is really fascinating. Um, and your your mentioning of the inerrancy of of scripture is uh, piqued another piece of my interest that we might come back to later in the conversation. But mm-hmm. um, so how, how has your, your perspective changed from your earlier days of reading scripture, perhaps filtered through local traditions and thought processes to, to now? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, I tried to think of a couple of different ways that I could specifically tell you how it's changed. Um, one example that I love to go back to again and again is it always bothers me when I'm reading in scripture and a person is unnamed. More likely than not, it's often a woman for whatever reason. And like, I I used to joke with my Bible study ladies early on, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the name of Noah's wife, because by golly, Noah's wife needs a name, you know? Yeah. So I don't know, three, four years now, um, my mom and my daughter and I went to the Ark Encounter in um, Kentucky. Yeah. And we're walking up to the Ark Encounter. And those of you that have been here will know right where I'm going because there's a name of a restaurant and poor scholarship I am, or um, I didn't, I forgot to look up the name for this interview, but the name of Noah's wife is like written on the restaurant. Like that's the name of the restaurant at the Ark Encounter. And I'm like, how on earth did, you know, did they make up a name for Noah's wife? And so you read, um, a sign that they have right there in front of the restaurant. And it explains the fact that Jewish commentary, um, if I'm remembering correctly, particularly uh, some certain midrash, which is their, their, their commentary, but they allow themselves to be pretty relaxed with it. It's how they engage with scripture. I will say, I, sometimes I liken it to our historical fiction. Right. If we read a historical fiction novel, we acknowledge the fact that some of that is not in scripture. Um, And that's where they get the name of Noah's wife. And there are actually a couple different names um, for her. Since then, I've also found that if I go online to a place called Orthodox Wiki, I believe is what it's called. um, Orthodox and or Catholic tradition often has named these individuals and they'll have saint days for them. And they'll actually acknowledge, you know, acknowledge them throughout the church calendar year as well. For example, the woman at the well is called um, Fotini, P-H-O-T-I-N-I. And she has her own feast day. Um, And I, I believe both um, of those traditions recognize her. And here's where I get hung up. I, have read historical fiction and regular um, Bible study type books um, written by um, evangelicals or Mm -hmm. uh, at the very least Protestant, mostly evangelicals um, that will talk about her for the entire book. The whole story is based on this woman and either it was an editorial decision or a conscious um, choice to not explore the fact that these women have been named in either Jewish and or Orthodox tradition. I'm not saying that that, like for Noah, there's two names given. <laughs> they're not yeah. saying that it's a hundred percent. This should be in the canon. Right. But they're saying history plays a part in, in mm-hmm. our scripture. Um, and, and I think that's what's been driven home to me so clearly. Um, a second example we, we have um, our Bible, 66 books. I memorized yep. them in order, probably third grade, right? Sure. And so yeah. I've read this Bible over the years um, and reading it more and more and more. And then 
I, I'm a late bloomer to a lot of this. So probably around 30, 33, my pastor asked if I had a um, Bible that had the Apocrypha in it. Okay. I had no idea what that meant. Okay. I did it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Um, but he suggested that when I purchased my new Bible, I just because he knew, you know, that I was kind of into that kind of thing and uh, a student of scripture. Yeah. And so he suggested um, that I get a Bible with the Apocrypha in it. Didn't think much of it. Um, and over the last few years have thought of it more and more have learned that Apocrypha can almost be said with your nose turned up. Um, okay. it, it means, uh, it, again, maybe I did write that down. Uh, one definition online of doubtful authenticity, although widely circulated as being true. Okay. So mm. it, it really has a negative connotation. Yeah. Again, Catholics and Orthodox, um, call it something else. Catholics call it the deut deuterocanonical. Okay. Yeah. The, the additional books other yeah. than canon, right? Mm hmm going on. And most of this I have discovered through Twitter conversations. I am very active on there. Um, if you look at the Orthodox Christians, they have a different Bible. Again, um, Ethiopian Orthodox have the most books in their Bible. And so much of it comes down to, did we use the Greek Septuagint to determine what books were in there? Did, I mean, you could read volumes of yeah. books on the scholarly decisions made here. But my point is, and the reason why it has helped me um, with my own study of scripture so much is it's complex. And yeah. it's not, um, I, I had a woman ask me, and I will get back to my point. I had a woman ask me at my own church um, a couple Sundays ago, She's reading um, scripture through with a priest called Father Mike. Father Mike okay. does a, has a YouTube um, channel and does a good job of explaining theological concepts in layman terms. All right. And he is taking individuals through reading the Bible in a year this year. And several of my Catholic friends have been participating and they know I read the Bible each year. And so they'll email me sources and excited about it. So that's great. I'm so, mm -hmm. so excited for them. Sure. Um, this woman is going to read along with him mainly because he offers like an audio recap. And so she said while she's working, um, she cleans houses while she's working. That's when she listens to um, what he had to say about that day's reading. So perfect fit okay. for her. Yeah, yeah. Here's the question she asked me. Do they use the same Bible? She said, my parents are nervous <laughs> because mm. I'm reading along with a Catholic priest. And so I explained to her, 66 of our books are the same. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I explained what these deuterocanonical books were um, and probably gave her more information than she wanted. That's <laughs> typically the way things go. But this summer, I myself decided now that I did, I do own a couple Bibles that have um, the extra books in them. And so I decided this summer to read them for myself. And I found a group, I think there were maybe five of us that had a Twitter message group. Yeah. And so we would read, I think, two chapters a day and then just, you know, um, kind of have a short conversation about what we had read. So, you know, the Maccabees are interesting because you have that um, time period between the Old and New Testament that we don't know much about. Then some of the Maccabees weren't even from that time. You know, like you can yeah. get lost. It's, yeah, yeah. it's quite an adventure. Um, the book of Sirach, I don't know if I'm saying that right. That is read in a lot of Catholic um, liturgy okay. on at Mass. And so um, that book was familiar for many Catholics. Um, and we had a Catholic in the group, so that was helpful. But... Um, the part that really intrigued me was the fact that my whole life, probably from the time I was, I don't know, seven or eight, I've always been told that Esther was the book that doesn't mention God by name. Mm -hmm. Like I even in my mind, I see it hyphenated Esther, the book that doesn't mention God's name. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's and by golly, I'm a Bible study teacher. And so whenever we studied Esther, I'm quite sure I said, Esther, the book that doesn't mention God's name. And in one of, one of the things that's in um, these extra books is a prayer that Esther prays 
it's an extension of our chapter four. Okay. And it says at the beginning of her prayer, my Lord, our King, the only one, come to my help, for I am alone and have no helper but you, and I'm about to take my life in my hands. Esther mentions God. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, and there will, these are tense conversations. Again, I mean, no disregard for scripture, but if you're teaching someone, if, right especially if you're, um, you know, teaching in a Christian school, if you're, you know, somebody that's paying you for your scholarship, sure. I would certainly hope we could drop Esther, the book that doesn't mention God's no. name, because, yeah. because it does. And it's an extra sentence or two to say there is a Greek version of scripture that, you know, um, and then big picture, as I've studied scripture, I, I've fallen so in love with Jesus. <laughs> um, I, I want that for everyone. You know, I don't, I'm not a Bible beater in the fact that if you're not making time for it, shame on you. You know, it's not, it's not about that. It's not about a list that I'm checking off each right. day. Right. Um, learning about that history in between the old and new Testament learning. Um, you know, I picture these scholars a lot. There's a thread going right now that will have some more um, tweets on it. <laughs> when we're done, <laughs> a lady asked why some verses are missing from the Bible. Well, a lot of us don't even know they are first of right, all, right, right. when it was brought to my attention um, that there's maybe four and my Bible has a little footnote that mentions what, um, what that verse said and sources where it came from. Well, it goes way, way back smarter than me to um, when we found manuscripts, because unfortunately we don't have Jesus penmanship of Jesus speaking his words in red, right? Yeah, We're, yeah. Uh -huh. We've gone back as far as we can. And sometimes we'll find something that's older. Sometimes this translation will decide to use a certain source and this one another. Again, very scholarly things. But what I have tried to envision, because rather than regurgitate what we've been told, there's verses missing in that translation. Don't buy it. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And these are legitimate things that you hear. These are some legitimate things I have told myself, you know, I would have right. thought the Catholics had a different Bible for years. Yeah. Um, but I think of those scholars and what holy individuals they were men and women who so desperately wanted to get these Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic words, right. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I think of uh, Eugene Peterson, huge fan of Peterson, um, and how he was preaching such a pastor's heart to a congregation who really weren't engaging with the Bible. They didn't, mm -hmm. they still weren't quite getting it. Like, especially if you pick up a King James, I mean, I love it, but sure. wow, we don't talk that way anymore. <laughs> right. Um, and so he wrote the message for a congregation so that they too could engage with scripture. Um, and really, yeah. everything that I have come across, you know, I've recently started um, adding some prayer books to my daily quiet time. And each morning before I pick up the Bible um, to read the two or three chapters, I will read from the Book of Common Prayer. Um, Phyllis Tickle has a, a good series. Um, my Coptic Orthodox friend gave me an Agpia. I probably am not saying that right. Um, and one of the things that I discovered in those prayer books is that often, especially in the Agpia, um, seven times a day, and, and not every Coptic or Orthodox person does yeah. this seven times a day, the monks do, um, but those who do seven times a day, always, always read Psalm 51, Okay. seven times a day. And Psalm 51 is the um, chapter where... Nathan has approached David about the adultery that he's committed with Bathsheba. And David is super repentant. Um, 
super beautiful psalm for anyone yeah. who, you know, my favorite verse from there, create in me a clean heart, O God, and mm -hmm. renew a right spirit within me seven times a day. And I, I've picked it up, you know, I, I kind of rotate through prayer books, but the time period whenever I have prayed that particular book and prayed that prayer, I, 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 I go once a day. I dream of praying with a prayer book three times a day. That's my goal, but yeah. once a day right now. And the things that will jump out at you because you have read a book uh, or a particular psalm seven days a week for a month is so different then if I just quickly am, you know, going through it or thumbing through and, oh, let's read Psalm 51 today. Um, so again, just, I, I actually just had my first article in Christianity Today, okay. which was um, super exciting. I had tried um, for a number of years to give them different ideas and they picked this one up and it was how to read the Bible, um, 10 fresh ways to read okay. the Bible yeah. in 2021. And that was one of them. Um, find, find a psalm and just immerse yourself in it. Um, definitely. Uh, yeah. So it's, I, yeah, I, I love that. On and, on. <laughs> um, and I, I do think it's a par partially a requirement for all my podcast episodes to say that I think we could talk for hours about this and, <laughs> and, I, and we could. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I, I love, I love everything you're saying. And, and it, it, it sprung up in me many different thoughts. Um, I mean, yeah. that, I would say that my my church um, upbringing would be traditional in, in many senses, uh, conservative in many senses, and I don't mean these terms negative by any means, um, and and definitely rooted, deeply rooted in scripture, um, in in our attention to scripture, which I'm very thankful for. But as as I'm I'm growing, similarly, uh, the questions that I'm asking are are not contradictory, but trying to acknowledge. Uh, the spiritual nature of God, which is uh, really, really complicated, but also mm -hmm. really awesome at the same time. So I'm um, kind of looking at that inerrancy idea. I mean, uh, you, your survey there is you're looking at different ways to look at scripture and, and different perspectives, who has a different amount of books, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then even, even uh, I know sometimes in my life, I've been hesitant to kind of quote St. Augustine, for example, uh, because it's not directly in scripture or it's, it's something yeah. a little bit outside of it. Why, why look to scholars when we can look to, you know, uh, the many people who have written in, in scripture. Mm -hmm. um, and I was thinking too about, uh, I was at a, a track and field conference of all places and, and our, our moderator was uh, a theology student. Um, and he, he, he talked about, uh, what's what's really interesting about theology is that um, people spend their entire lives dedicated to try to know God more intimately. Mm -hmm. And the students in this case, he, he described himself as a student would be essentially trying to get on the shoulders of these the theologians to, to see what they saw. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think there's a, there's a beautiful practice in that, whether we come away agreeing or disagreeing, there's something to be said in, in light of what you're saying mm -hmm. about these individuals who spend intentionally their entire life to know God intimately mm -hmm. uh, and, and what that means. So I also reach in the common prayer uh, quite often and that collection of, of uh, thoughts and, and their kind of rituals of, of the kind of the incantation or the song that they have in there is, is, is really interesting and cool. Um, but yeah, I'm at, uh, and I think I'm with you. I, I don't have any contradictory thoughts to, to scriptures. There's, there's, there's a lot to me that says, well, the more, whether it's 100% accurate or not, I'm not sure that I I'm in terribly interested in, in the complete accuracy of that information, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, what I'm interested in is, is the experience of the people have with God and God have with, with people. And, Which is and, actually um, something we owe to uh, men and women of the Jewish faith. Yeah. Um, it, as I've learned how they interact with scripture. Um, so, and like I say, if you, you know, sometime your audience, uh, you as well, Eric, just Google, um, midrash on you know whatever old testament topic suits your fancy they didn't try to agree they mm. weren't and and there are other pieces of um torah and talmud that that's more scholarly 
But speaking um, specifically to Midrash right now, it was exactly as you said, it was in order to encounter God. And so much of my life, which backgrounds sound pretty similar, I thought if I read the Bible long enough and studied it hard enough, I could be right. Hmm. I would find the right answer. Yeah. What I found instead was Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> the way, the truth, and the life. You know, yeah. um, and it's not to say, you know, if I create a very... I, I love the way one person on Twitter put it. She said, I feel like you invite us all to your front porch. Mm. And that's what, you know, if someone comes to your home and sits on your front porch and you pour them lemonade on a hot summer day, by and large, you're not going to kick them off because right, right. they tell you're you wrong. That seven other books <laughs> in their Bible, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, at least not on my porch. Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a place for conversation. Um, I cannot tell you how many people, either private message or um, directly on the, the Twitter page, will say, I know you're a safe place to ask this. Mm. Um, and, and I pride myself. That's exactly what I want to offer, because I think God can handle any questions that yeah. we have. Yeah, and I there's... think asking questions brings us in in relationship with God more and more and more. Oh, absolutely. I, I love that. I mean, the, the safe space and conversation idea is is almost, and I hate to say it, a lost art, but that there's a reason why, in my opinion, that, that Light Vision, this podcast exists. Mm -hmm. um, because I do want to have conversations, whether we agree 100% or not, I want to listen to perspectives and engage mm -hmm. in, in that kind of front porch idea. And I, I have two, two kind of thoughts that... Um, stories that I wanted to tell in the, kind of two different areas of my life. But one is for my brother, and this is kind of in relation to uh, the struggle we have with with kind of the, the knowledge that we have and mm -hmm. trying to transfer it to someone else, that this teaching or helping someone else understand. Mm -hmm. uh, he tells a story, or used to anyways, and I, I might butcher it, but the he has, uh, he has four kids now, but his, his oldest daughter is two years older than his oldest son. And, and Clara, her name, she's very bright. And they were sitting in church and during the Lord's Supper, and she leans over to Shepherd. He's like two at this time, maybe. And she says, like whispers gently, the Lord's Supper is a time that we thank Jesus for he did for us. And Shepherd, mm -hmm. being two, looked up and said, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then she, she repeated, and she got a little more tense. Like, the Lord's Supper is a time that we thank Jesus for he did for us. And again, he, he, he's not really understanding what she's saying. And before you know it, she, she's got him in a headlock. The Lord's Supper is a time that we thank Jesus for he did for us. Oh, and I, that was such a great... Um, now do it. Yeah. That's <laughs> such a great illustration of, of how we sometimes harbor information. So whether we think we're right or not, this idea that someone else may not understand what I know turns into a fight uh, mm -hmm. or some type of grappling match as opposed to a listening uh, opportunity or, or just a finding, and as a coach myself for many years, finding a new way to explain it um, and, and, and connecting. Uh, and then the other one, was um, a mentor of mine named Johnny who sits on uh, Middle Tennessee State's campus um, and creates this, this porch atmosphere. And he has a, a bag that he's, he's uh, he takes one hour courses. He's, a, he's an instructor now um, at, at the school, but he takes one hour courses so that he's a student and he has a bag that's hand stitched that says, if you, if you have any questions about Christianity, please ask. And he created beautiful community where he's just sitting there whittling spoons or, or just talking to people. And he's such a fascinating individual and his story is, is enlightening. But um, I remember one time in particular, we were both sitting next to each other, kind of having separate conversations and a, a young student came to him and brought a, uh, a combative disposition uh, about, about a topic. And I remember how peaceful it was. He, he just put his hand gently on his foot. He, his foot was kind of perched up on this, this step that he was sitting on and said, I don't think we're going to come together today. Mm. Um, and there was, there was just like a, it, it wasn't like go away. It was, it was, it wow. was just a peaceful connection to say we could argue, but nothing will come from that. Um, wow. So if we want to talk, we can talk, but what's mm -hmm. happening right now is not fruitful. Yeah. And, and you, you do start to recognize those times yeah. when the person that's legitimately, um, I, I, I learn so much every day. I mean, mm -hmm. I, 
and that's my natural self. I'm a student. Um, I read as much as I, um, interact with people. Uh, and you're right. Not everyone, um, if you've come to make your point, it's going to yeah. be a much different experience. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what I find is, like you said, it's a lost art. There are people, many people, many, many people that want to do this, that want to have these kind of conversations yeah. um, that, it, gosh, we love Jesus so much. We don't want to have wrong scholarship. You right. know, I don't... Um, if there's something and you know what, maybe you'll know this, Eric, because I've been, I've been thinking through this. My pastor um, has a phrase that he often says, let scripture in, interpret scripture. Hmm. And I really like that quote and I get where he's coming from, but um, it, uh, I'll give you another example that that seems to be kind of the best way to, so, so we're called the, body of Christ, right? And that has yeah. become um, another large part of my writing and my ministry work online is to create um, unity in that body. Right. Um, unity without uniformity, they always remind me. I, sure, I sure. don't think we're going yeah. to, I'm not sure we're going to agree on it in heaven. I think God might like a good debate, <laughs> honestly, but he, he can tell me one way or the other someday. Um, but body of Christ is a, a term that we often recognize as, as church, right? Capital C mm -hmm. church, all of us. And I'm reading, I, when I read first Corinthians 12, um, it's verses 12 through 14. I also, there, there's also another chunk after I started putting on this lens of, um, capital C church instead of my little church. Yeah. Um, I started seeing verses differently. Mm -hmm. And this one is one of them. It talks about, you know, it, if, how can the body exist if it doesn't have an eye, you know, doesn't the body need a, you know, and so um, I transfer that in my mind to body, meaning maybe we need a Lutheran church, you know, maybe Martin Luther came at just the right time. He did not surprise God. Um, yeah, right, maybe, right. maybe we need the Pentecostals that know a whole lot more about the Holy Spirit than I do. Mm. Um, you know, may, maybe we, I, every time I sit in Catholic mass, I weep because I love the silence. I love yeah. the reverence. Um, yes. And so maybe we need this high church liturgy. My pastor would argue that, but, <laughs> but maybe we need it. Um, and so could we see body that way as well? Yeah. Um, and what I try, and the reason why I think on that scripture, interpreting scripture is I can read that scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, and think of people in my local body of believers who do a different role. Sure, we have the sure. pastor, we yep. have me, the teacher, we have, um, you know, the woman who's wonderful at cooking um, our meals along the way, etc. Yeah. Or... I could look at it as, as body um, of Christ. And then it becomes a much bigger picture. And that's just one of probably 10,000 verses mm -hmm. that you could take it. And I mean, I, I'm no scholar. And I think sometimes that's maybe why God uses me in this way, because I, I can't come to you with very many answers, but I can come to you with a lot of questions and I can sure. come to you and have a really good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wonder if, for example, when we say take, eat, this is my body. If you think it's metaphor and I am bound and determined that that is an actual physical act, traps, transubstantiation, it, maybe it's okay if we interpret that scripture differently. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, maybe someday I'll get to heaven and God will be like, you idiot. You know, you could have, you could have taken my literal, I don't know how yeah. all of that will work out. I just know that I've read the scripture through probably straight all the Bible, probably about 12 times. And I still continue to come across passages where I'm like, that's, that's why Martin Luther pushed back against that. Mm -hmm. Or that's why Baptists baptize believers. 
And that's, you know, um, and then you get into the bigger conversations. Um, I love systematic theology. This idea of what do I know about God? Because I've read his word 12 times Mm -hmm. versus I've only read a clip or two along the way over the years. I would hope that that is a different, um, bigger picture um, uh, of a loving God. Uh, let's let's be sure we mention that he is so sure. loving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so those those things kind of go through my mind again. Change the way um, that I look at church and change the way that I look at scripture. Right. Yeah. And I was thinking. I mean, absolutely. It, it's difficult. It really is really difficult um, to to put our arms around the possibility that it's not black and white. we would like it to be black and white, but I would even argue that there's nothing that we do outside of religious practice that is black and white. That there's, Mm -hmm. there's almost nothing that we do. That's like, Oh, definitively. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and if you go back far enough to um, the early church fathers, our our own tradition, right? That's my own Christian heritage. (laughs) They didn't agree. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and they would, you know, um, so again, a nod um, to the Jewish faith, because I think that's probably some of where that, uh, that idea of interacting came from. Um, it, I, another book that I wanted to recommend that really started opening this up for me, the, the fact that we could perhaps be unified without being uniform, mm. um, was uh, Scott McKnight's Fellowship of Difference. Okay. And it's um, a look at the early churches that would have met um, about the time of Acts okay. and what it was, you know, Galatians 3.28, right? We're um, neither slave nor free, that list of um, neither Jew nor Gentile. Mm-hmm. They actually went to church together on Sunday morning. Well, mm. Saturday or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, right. When they worshiped. Um, yeah. And some met in houses and some still went to synagogue. And then an early or a more recent um, thing that I've been thinking through are the 12 disciples. Mm. And you had a tax collector and you had some blue collar fishermen. You had um, different cities represented and their focal point was Jesus Mm. in acts, the church, the focal point was Jesus. And if anyone can bring about unity it's Jesus. And yeah. so then, and, and this is, um, I, I do have my first book out. We haven't mentioned that yet. And it's, it, it's very much this journey um, starting back in childhood up to now. But in that book, I quote John 17, let me make sure, 1711, um, right before Jesus leaves the upper room to mm-hmm. um, go to the garden and pray before his crucifixion. And He's for about three or four chapters telling the disciples his last thoughts, right? Final words of Jesus. What did he think was so important? And in chapter 17, he prays um, for these individuals. And one of the verses, um, one of the 1711 is the verse where he says, and I pray father that they would be one as we are one. And it struck me again and again and again, he could have prayed for so many things. You know, I, I pray that they'll only use the Baptist hymnal, right? Cause it's the best. <laughs> I pray that um, they'll forever baptize by immersion because that's the right way to do it. No, he prayed that we would be one. And he's looking at these 12, if not more individuals who were not just yeah, a light, yeah. who not had the, you know, and so God has just impressed it upon me again and again. And, of course, that's not easy. No. And, you know, sometimes I think um, it, the technical term for it is ecumenical. Sometimes I think people who push for the church to heal some of their divides and for the church to be more united so we can go forth in Jesus name. Think that means you have to let go of your theology mm-hmm. and and your what it really means is what's what's first. You know, it's not, I mean, I have, I have my opinions. I'm sure there's things you and I probably, you know, disagree on, although I hold disagreeing pretty lightly these days, but, um, (laughs) but 
Jesus is that, you know, and then um, I'll get just like the same with scripture. I'll get disappointed sometimes because I'm like, if Jesus prayed that, why don't we take that more serious? Why isn't that like our a fall on our faces? Holy spirit, please show me how yeah. to get along with this brother or Christian sister. Did I say that wrong? Brothers, Christian brother or sister who is so different from, and oh, you are right. Twitter is a playground because <laughs> there can be some, sometimes people say stuff and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. But I, I say it again and again. If you have asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if somewhere along the way you have made him king of your life and you understand the gospel and have put him um, in that first place, you're my brother and you're my sister. And yep. that looks like a really weird family sometimes, but you know, sorry, yeah, I'm probably no. No, I, 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 <laughs> I love it. I really do. I mean, this, it brings you back to this, this, this culture of curiosity, you know, that, that mm -hmm. um, I tried to, 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 when I can think about it and, and ask questions as opposed to make declarative statements. Yes. And, uh, and I also think about, um, I mean, I, I talked about this probably on every episode too, but like one of my mantras is perspective rules all that uh, how we look at something completely changes the way in which we live around it. Uh, and I tell a story. I was, I was sitting in line in New York city. It was cold in January to get, go to the late show, Stephen Colbert. And I was excited about the trip that I was on. I was, I was taking a train across country and, and just kind of pumped up about many things. And, um, but it was cold. So I walked inside to steak and shake and, mm -hmm. and, uh, wanted to get some food. And, and I said, how are you to the, the cashier behind the desk? And she said, I'm cold. And I said, you're cold. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, um, I can't remember if I said it to her in person, but like she's inside, you know, so mm -hmm. <laughs> it can't be that cold. But yeah. what I realized <laughs> is her, from her perspective, she was because she's sitting here wearing her steak and shake um, outfit that they've told her to wear standing mm -hmm. directly with no motion in front of the door that continues to open and close at yeah. New York city. So she does feel cold. Now, mm -hmm. I don't think anyone that's walking from outside standing in line would say that she's cold because from mm -hmm. their perspective, it's 25 and windy. Relative. And I was just yeah. out there for hours uh, and I'm coming in here for shelter. Mm -hmm. So, but that, what, what that helped me really figure out is, is whether we are right or wrong. I te technically was more cold than she was. I think that's mm -hmm. accurate to say, yeah. um, but she was still cold from her point of view, it was equally true from where she was standing. And um, so there's this culture of curiosity to me, especially true in, in, in the culture of scripture and, and believers, um, just in how we read a message. I was thinking about this too, and uh, we can go on and on, but I was thinking about the passage in Exodus when, when God, um, uh, actually, you know, I think it's in Samuel, for Samuel, when God talks through Samuel to, to remind the Jewish people, did I not carry you out on wings of eagles and, and, and deliver you from these 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 um, difficult places? I read that for a long time as an angry God, and he very well could have been. He could have been really mad about, about them forgetting stuff. But then I decided, let's try something else. What if I read it like a loving, disappointed father? Mm -hmm. Did I not do this for you? Mm -hmm. Did I? Don't you remember when I did that? That's completely different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I encountered God completely different just from the tonal differences uh, in how I read that, that passage. And, and I think both of those could be equally true. I think that th there could be a time where I read that passage and, and hear God angry and that shapes me up quick. And there's a whole other time, just like, I mean, I, you, you're a parent, so I'm sure that you have different tonal messages that you give to your children <laughs> as a coach. Um, as a sprint coach too, um, you know, we're a bunch of divas sprinters on track and field. So I have to make sure if I want to be a good coach, I have to make sure that I know who I'm talking to. Yes, um, absolutely. Yep. And, and if, and I slip up, there's no doubt about that. There's sometimes I snip at people that should not be snipped at. And there's mm -hmm. other people that I'm too soft on that needed harder. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, at my best, I knew exactly who I was talking to and I, I could control the tone at which I presented to them. And I got the best Big out part of it. Of it. Yep. Yes. Um, yep. So I, I love this conversation, like, like I was saying, and, and um, 
Man, scripture is such a beautiful, 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 mm-hmm. complex thing. And God is, is spirit. And uh, you mentioned w- woman at the well, and, and I have a group of guys that have been studying John um, kind of really in depth to trying to figure out mm-hmm. all these pieces from mm-hmm. several different perspectives. You have d- different preachers, ministers, and, and biblical scholars come onto our, sh- our, our kind of YouTube show, I guess you could say that open this up and yeah. the, that scene among all of the scenes in scripture is just mind blowing that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that Jesus think, is who I he is. I think there's layer upon layer yeah. upon. Yeah. 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 And I often say, especially when you read the gospels, I wish we had an audio version, um, original, you know, yeah. would that be too much to ask? Um, because tone is so important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and we're, we're missing that for mm-hmm. sure. Um, yep. And then the beauty of the gospels that there's four of them You're right, right. <laughs> and, you know, and they were written at certain, you know, we're uh, doing a pretty deep dive right now, our Wednesday night group into the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Luke, Luke has kind of a version. And then you'll read some scholars that say it was absolutely one sermon, you know, Jesus stood um, near the water and gave it. And then you'll have some that say it's um, a culmination of different. Yeah. And so, um, and, and it surprises me sometimes that we think we can land on the exact right answer because it was thousands of years ago. Right. (laughs) And there's been a lot of, you know, and that's why I hold to um, the inerrancy like I do, because I think the Holy spirit gives us just what he wants. Yeah. You know, um, I we just finished reading Job in our um, chronological Bible group. Yeah. Job, gosh, I'm amazed <laughs> at what they already knew about science, you know, oh, and yeah. we don't know. I mean, there's, I don't know, a 500 year swing of when Job could have been written. But some really smart, um, already knowledgeable people um, that do a lot of things. Um, about science that, that in my mind, they should not have known back then. Um, so yeah, then, you know, th- that blows you away. And then there's, I mean, just on uh, and, and on and yes. on. And, yes, and what I love, what I love about scripture and in, in closing, because I do feel like we want to try to keep this as timely as possible. We can pick up maybe part two a different time, but yeah. um, is, is it's, it's really not about people telling us about God from a knowledge standpoint, it's, it's really people telling the story of God encountering, coming to them. Um, and, and what's remarkable to me and man, we might go off another tangent here, but is, is that these are just people. (laughs) These are people that, that God meets in variety of ways. So it is, it is difficult for me to, to say, you know, um, you know, because God, um, encountered Gideon that way. We know that uh, challenging prayer is the way to do it. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it could be a. I mean, it definitely is a way to do it. Um, but I, I think what the message I get, anyways, as the more that I I read, is that God wants fellowship with us. So if it if it's meaningful to me to challenge Him in prayer, or if it's meaningful to me to to cry and have God count all the tears, wh- however it is, God is most likely, if not going to meet me there. Yeah. Uh, he knows which, our heart, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. For Samuel again. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like I said, we could talk for a long, 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 long time and I would love every moment of it um, for the sake of, of the podcast. Any final words, Tracy, yeah. that, that you'd like to impart? Uh, just again, thank you um, for your time. Uh, hope it has come across that it's a topic or two that I'm pretty passionate about. Um, and I'm con- continuously blown away. The more people I meet from other church traditions, um, I visit a lot of churches, um, tried a lot of different spiritual practices, read scripture regularly, more and more and more of mm. God and Jesus in the spirit um, just seems to be the way it works. And yep. so I'm, I'm super excited uh, about what it's done in my life and super hopeful I can inspire other people to, to journey that way as well. Yeah. 
Well, again, thank you so much for joining. I have many things that have sparked my interest in, in looking at scripture a different way. And and um, I'll definitely do my best to point listeners and myself to the many resources that you've mentioned in this podcast uh, so we can continue looking at things in a fresh way uh, so we can encounter God um, as, yeah. as efficiently and as beautifully as possible, I suppose. Sounds great. Have yeah. a good day, Eric. Yeah, thank you. You too. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Light Vision Podcast. That was guest Tracy Rhodes, Jesus lover, Bible student and teacher, author, and great thinker. I appreciate her joining the show very much, and she was gracious enough to leave behind some resources and links that I've put into the podcast episode description. So please check those out to continue the conversation and continue the research and the desire and pursuit of the knowledge of God and the history of the church and the unity therein. And I appreciate you very much for listening to this episode and and gleaning more information as we aim to shine light on meaningful things by talking to various people to allow conversation to happen. So thank you again for supporting that by listening. Please do remember to subscribe, like, rate, and share the podcast so others can join the conversation as well. And a special thanks to Music Vine as well, as they provided this beautiful song for the intro and conclusion, Beacon by Tobias Voigt, and many other supporters, my patrons on patreon.com slash finor, F-I-N-O-W-R. This is a Finer Creations production, and many great things coming in the future, in addition to the Light Vision podcast. So check out the website, finowr.com, and become a patron today at patreon.com slash finor. And I appreciate all your help. And we will be continuing the conversation next week on episode 19, talking about storytelling and travel and writing and a lot of other great things, too. I'm excited about that conversation. So stay tuned. Again, subscribe, like, share, rate the podcast. Help us out. Get some more exposure. But in the meantime, we will continue to dwell on these thoughts from Tracy as we progress through the Holy Week in anticipation for the Resurrection Day of Easter and celebration of new life through Jesus. Thank you so much for joining to listen to this episode of the Light Vision Podcast. Until next time, shine light on those great things.